0: If you are joining online or a satellite group, we're so excited that you're watching this. Um, I'm excited that you guys are here in person. We have a lot of options in this fall, and it's fun that we get to do the book of Hosea together. So I want to start by explaining to you why we're doing the book of Hosea. Um, And so about, I would say, eight months ago, the Lord, I was praying, and I was asking the Lord, hey, where are we going for Bible study? Like, what do you want to do next? And I felt like the Lord put the book of Hosea on my heart. Um, And I didn't remember it super well we're being honest. I was kind of like, okay, I think it's a story of an unfaithful woman. I think it's a prostitute, and Hosea marries her. That's all I remembered. So I didn't think much of it. But I was like, okay, God, great. Well, then I did the faithful thing that every leader does. I read the book. (laughs) And I had forgotten how intense it is. There's about 11 chapters of judgment in there. And so I sat with it, and I was like, Lord, is this We're coming hopefully out of what we're praying is the the near end of the pandemic. We're gonna be coming back on campus. Women are gonna be gathering. Is this the book that you really want to speak to? You want me to get up and preach judgment for 11 weeks? I don't know if that's gonna sell. Um, so anyway, so I sat with God in it, and I was like, you know, your word is holy, whatever you wanna write, I'll do, but I, I need confirmation. And so I sat with this, and then I had two different people confirm with me and just say, hey, I don't know, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this, the Lord put the book of Hosea on my heart. And I was like, okay, all right, we're tracking. And so um, so I feel like the Lord confirmed this book. And then, And then what happened is, is we had to write the curriculum. And so I'm not, I'm not a good writer, I'm not talented at the curriculum building part, I usually ride the coattails of somebody else. And so in the past, Kathy's written the book, Cheryl's written the books, um, we took a team to the beach, we had legacy staff, Jan wrote the book with me, Nancy wrote the book, and so I started rallying my people, like, who's going to write this for me, and I'll assist you. Um, <laughs> But lo and behold, Kathy flew to Florida. Um, my sister's a pastor in Minneapolis. I tried to convince her to come out and write it with me. And she's like, sorry, I can't with the kids. And for three months, she could not find a weekend to come out. Um, and the Lord just kept saying to me, he's like, I I want you to come away with me. And I want you to do this with me and you. Has God ever invited you to something that felt uncomfortable or you didn't really wanna do? I didn't really want to do that because I know who I am and I know my talents and I know my lack of talent. And so I was like, God, I just I don't think I can do it. And he kept on persisting. Come away with me, come away with me. I want to do this with you. And so I went to the beach for five days and I'm like, okay, God, you got to show up because I'm not a curriculum writer. I don't know what I'm doing. And the Lord had given me, there's one other study I found in the book of Hosea. Jennifer Rothschild did a book. And so I was like, I just need a guide. I have no idea how she shaped it. And you guys, the Lord met me in that place And he rocked my world i spent the first two days in that beach house just weeping weeping at god just revealing things that i had put in front of him things that i had made bigger than him it was like this very tender unpeeling of my heart and the lord exposing things that i had loved more than him and this gentle gentle invitation to come back to him return to me, Coley, your first love. And so I understand that the word of God is alive and active, and it will hit all of us in different ways in different seasons. And so I don't know if that's what God has for you. I don't know if he's going to wreck you, if he's going to rock you, if he's going to strip you down like he stripped my heart. But I will say it was one of the most refreshing, painful, but refreshing experiences that I've had with the Lord for a while. And I think it's because I was willing to go there with him, and I was alone. Had I been doing this with Kathy or somebody else, I think it would have been easy to be like, oh, what do you think the women need to like learn this season? Instead of being, what do I need to learn? What am I putting in front of the Lord? And so my encouragement to you, my invitation to you, is that God, we know that he's powerful and active, but God wants to meet you in the book of Hosea. And my challenge to you is it will depend at how, how deep you're willing to let him in, how much you're, let, you're willing to let him to speak into those tender places that maybe you've covered up, or maybe there's parts of you that you're ashamed of, that you're afraid of, that it's just easier. It's like that closet in your house. You just don't want to touch it. It seems too, too daunting, too painful, too much. Um, I want to invite you in prayer to consider letting God touch, touch places in your heart that need healing, that need redemption, that need a divine savior, that need light, and more than anything, that need his love because I don't know about you, but there's so many other things that I run to for love in the world, and God slowly and surely over those five days checked all my boxes of, hey, you think you're getting something good out of this, but this is only hurting you more, or you're putting too much in this relationship and that it's actually hurting you, or you're thinking that you can get your identity in what you do, and that was never, ever my intention. And so the book of hosea it comes at this time where after 18 months two years of covid we've been isolated Uh, we've been slammed with mental health stuff we've been slammed with trauma with pain with death and i feel like the lord's invitation is let's do a little a little cleaning of your heart let's do a little housekeeping let's check the pulse of it let's check where it's at let's check what's in there. Let's check what you're loving. And so that is the book of Hosea. That's the invitation that God gives us is let's focus on the heart. And so my prayer, my hope is that you're in a season that you're like, yeah, God, I'm ready. Let's do, let's do the housekeeping. Let's talk about the things that are hurting me, the ways I'm hurting. Like, let's just do this. And you come to him open-armed and ready for him to do something. Because God, in his tender love and mercy, he cares for your heart more than you do. I know it's hard to believe because we're very very protective of our hearts. We all have our walls and our self-defense mechanisms and we want to we want to protect ourselves more than anybody God wants to protect you. And so when you entrust your heart in this process to him, he is the safest hands in the world that can hold it. So I don't know I don't know what God wants to do in you. I don't know what lies you believed. I don't know what trauma you're carrying. I don't know what's happened in your past in your childhood. I don't know what you're walking through today. But what i do know is that the lord of the heavens the god who made the stars cares deeply and intimately for the little things that affect you and i for the little thorns for the pains for the big huge traumas for the losses god wants to speak to those places and so my hope and prayer is that you allow him to do that so okay today we're just going to do an overview of the book of hosea because it's a complicated book, and I didn't want to just dive in first week. And so today, I just want to give you kind of like a 30,000-foot view of some of the history, some of the things that Hosea talks about, and an invitation for where we're going. So um, some of this is going to be a little bit of background in history. If you're not a history major, I will try to move briefly through that. Um, I'm not a history person, so it's like you start talking about B.C. and numbers, and I'm like, oh, bring me back to the Jesus part. Um, but anyways, we'll, we'll just give you a little bit of context so that when you enter this complicated book, you have a sense of your focus. Um so anyway so the book of Hosea so Hosea was a prophet that the Lord called to the northern kingdom so the northern kingdom is the same as Israel and you'll also see the word Ephraim that's a, like a loving nickname that God uses for Israel it's referring to the northern kingdom so at this time there were 10 tribes if you'll remember the 12 tribes of Israel at this point they're split so the northern kingdom is 10 tribes and the southern kingdom is Judah and there's two tribes and so God called Hosea to be a prophet, which is essentially a mouthpiece, a voice of God to tell the people what God has to say to them. And so God sees the people of the Northern Kingdom and he sees where their hearts have gone astray. He sees the mess that they're living in and he sees the things that they're chasing instead of him. So he sends Hosea on the scene and he says, I want you to tell these people what's true. So Hosea's story, Hosea's ministry takes place over 30 years. And what happens is, we'll see this, there's three stories within the book of Hosea. The first story is a love story between Hosea and an unfaithful woman that God calls Hosea to marry, and her name is Gomer. So that's the first story we see. Hosea called to love an unfaithful woman and treat her with the love of Christ. That's the first story. Those are the first three chapters. The second story is the story of a faithful God and his chosen people Israel who's gone astray. They've loved other things. They've worshiped politics and other gods and power and things of this world. That's the second story. And then the third story is where you and I come in. This is our role, a faithful God and an unfaithful people. All the ways that you and I have loved other things instead of God. And I'll be honest, when I read the Bible, I generally like to put myself in the good character's position. You know, like you'll be reading the gospels and you're like, oh my gosh, Jesus those disciples didn't know anything. Oh, I would have never betrayed you. I would, of course I would have walked on water and trusted you. We just, I like, I tend to put myself in the position that's like, oh, I would have been faithful. I would have showed up. I would have rallied for Jesus. Um, And so in this book, I want to invite you, I had to do this for myself, I want to invite you to consider that, that we are Gomer, and we are Israel, and we are people that have loved other things than god which can sometimes be hard for us to own our part in that story so it's a three in one story um okay here's the thing about the book of hosea it's a super complicated biblical text Um, it's some of the most difficult hebrew in the entire bible there are words in the book of hosea that scholars can't find a comparison to so when you i read it and i was like what just happened if you Has anybody read the whole thing through? It's okay if not, there's no judgment. Um, I would encourage you at some point just to read it through so you get a sense, but you're reading it and it's jumping from like prose to poetry. They're using all these different nicknames. You have no idea who he's talking about or what he's saying. It's a very, very complicated book. And so scholars have spent a, lo- spent a long time unpacking it. There's eight to nine different views of if people think that Hosea and Gomorrah were really a married couple, if it was a metaphor, if it, there's a lot of different, like, thoughts and reflections on this. And so we're going to dive into that every single week and just explore what God's Word says. But I just want to encourage you, if you felt confused by the book, you're not alone. You're in good company. It feels like you don't know who's talking to who or when or if he's calling out you or the neighbor or what. So we're going to get through it together. Um, we're going to move through kind of chunk by chunk. I don't think it's super chronological, but we will unpack each week uh, what it means. And one of the questions, that i read uh, when i was looking at the commentaries is just hosea chose to write this in in poetic form and i was thinking about the literary genre of poetry why do people use poetry why wouldn't you just write a chronological narrative and just write everything that happened and i think i'm going to leave that question for you to sit with but as we read this i want you to consider why was it written in poetic stances what's the beauty of that what's the invitation of that I wanna suggest that there might be something that all of us see a little bit differently, that poetry expands what we can enter and understand. And so when you read it, it might feel very complicated. It might feel like, what's happening? I just encourage you to invite God in that space and say, you speak to me. This is a poem what do you want me to get out of it what do you want me to understand and we'll i'll do the best i can to give you the background and history of it but it's poetry which means it's open and it's an entry point for us to understand god's heart which is super fun um and so hosea was born he lived in the eighth century he he was a prophet during what we would call the best times of israel and the worst times of israel and so The first line of the book, it lists all these kings that were were established or in order when Hosea was a prophet. And there's only one king that was part of the northern kingdom. The other four are in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had King Jeroboam II. He was like the all-star guy. Just think of like king of the economy, brought a lot of prosperity, brought wealth to the nation, was a good ruler, was stable and loyal. And so when Hosea came on the scene, the northern kingdom, Israel, Ephraim, they were at their best. Think of like food on every table, mansions, red carpets, they were living the dream, everything was going well. And what happened is they started to trust in their wealth and their own provision and their own security. And this moved their hearts away from God. And so they were thriving as a nation by all means, they were powerful, other nations were afraid of them, they had everything they needed. And so God sent Hosea to say, you're chasing after things of this world. And you're not trusting your first love. And so, over the 30 years that Hosea is the prophet, we just see Israel go, get worse and worse and more desolate and more broken. And what ends up happening is when Hosea is done prophesying, the whole nation is swallowed up and destroyed by the Assyrians. So, we see the rise and the fall of Israel through Hosea's prophecy. And Hosea is basically saying, unless you repent, Unless you return to the king, things are just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And the people did not have ears to hear it. And so I want to invite us as we approach the book of Hosea, different time, different season, sins as old as sin. The same stuff we struggle with today, putting our, our faith or our hope in finances, in a political power, in security and comfort, in our own stability, in our health, in our looks, in our relationships, in our status. You and I are the same people that Israel were, just a different different cultural background, different things. So we're going to try to unpack some of the ways that Israel was living, and as well as I can, I'm going to try to make a comparison that we're not that different than them. We're not that far off. We're not that lost. And so in this book, um, that's kind of a little bit of Hosea's background, and that's what he's preaching, he's prophesying to these people, and at the same time, he's living it out at home. Hosea takes the place of God by loving an unfaithful woman and being honest, being faithful to her, giving her unconditional love. He takes on the role of Christ in loving his bride as not that she deserves to be loved, as God calls her to be loved, and that's you and I, that God has an endless amount of unconditional love for us, regardless of what we've done, regardless of the mistakes we've made, regardless of how we feel about ourselves, God's love is the theme. And so there's a few themes I just want to highlight for you in the book of Hosea um, as we enter it, and I want you to keep them kind of in the in the forefront of your mind, because every week we're going to unpack a little bit different part of the story, but all the themes are leading back to the same thing. So there's three themes that I believe is happening in the book of Hosea. The First is the return to Yahweh, the return to Yahweh. You see, we have this perfect God who loves us unconditionally, and he always invites us home. He's always inviting us to come back. But what happens is you and I, so often in our pride, in our fear, in our stubbornness, you and I want to earn our way back to God, right? We're like, no, no, that's too easy, Coley. I'm not just walking back to him and accepting grace. I'm going to work um, my stuff. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do this. Or we do the disqualifying thing where we're like, oh, I'm not worthy. I hear you talking about that, but if you, if you knew the things that I'm thinking, if you knew what I've done, oh, Cole, I'm, I'm not worthy of that. I can't, just, I can't just walk back to the Father. There's way too much there. There is a call on every one of your lives to return to the Lord. And Jesus Christ has made that way possible. You haven't done it. I haven't done it. It's not about earning it. It's not about being good enough. It's not about fixing yourself. It's not about fixing your situation. It's about trusting that Jesus Christ is the way to the Father and that the Father wants you back. He wants you to return. There's nothing you've done that's, that's prohibited you from returning to the Father. He's up there. He's waiting for you with patient eyes and caring arms to say, whenever you're ready, I'm here. Come back to me. Come back to me but you and I can have this tendency to do this thing where we're like, not yet, not yet. I, and I gotta work on some stuff. I'm not worthy of that. I just, I wanna get my stuff in order. Then maybe I'll talk to God about this. God's saying, it's not about you getting your stuff in order. It's about you being honest and humble and saying, here I am. This is the broken mess I've been. This is what I've loved more than you. This is where I'm tripping up. This is what's really hurting me. This is where someone else really hurt me that I'm struggling with. And we just give it to him and we return to the Father. So that's one of the big calls. Hosea's whole ministry was preaching to people who had hardened their hearts from God and his continual offer was return to the Lord. Don't forget your first love, return to him. If you've ever fallen in love, you may or may not remember that beginning, that beginning fun honeymoon stage where you're like, oh, he's just the best. God actually is the best. He doesn't disappoint. He doesn't betray us. He doesn't hurt us. He doesn't fail us. He actually is the best. And he's sitting right next to you, 24-7, waiting for you to recognize and claim that he is the best and come home to him. So that's one invitation I want you to pray about, consider, and ponder. The Lord is calling you home. What does it look like for you to return to the Lord? That's one theme that we'll see throughout the whole book. Uh, Second theme is uh, this concept of beloved. Uh, We're going to do a year-long series, um, this Bible study session, called The Beloved. We haven't picked out specifically the texts for winter and spring. Um, We're thinking of landing in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John for the winter, and maybe one of the Timothys for the spring. But what we want to do is we want to travel through the Bible. We're starting in the Old Testament, and to see this call of what it means to be the Lord's beloved. God calls us his beloved. So we're gonna explore that in scripture together. So that's kind of the overarching theme of Bible study this year. What does it mean that God calls us beloved? Um, And there's two words in that. Be loved. Be loved. This is really, really hard for us, I think, especially as women. We think we're put under this thing that we need to earn love, we need to be enough, we need to look good enough, we need to act good enough, our kids need to be good enough, our husband needs to be good enough, our house needs to look good enough, we need to be good enough at our job. This concept, this invitation is that you and I already are loved. Not because of what we did, because that's who God created us to be. And so part of the call of Hosea is to own and recognize that truth, that you and I are already loved. It's not about getting into something, it's receiving it, and we're acting as the loved. Be loved. Not do loved, not change love, not fix yourself. This concept that you and I, because God is a good God and is an author of love, he created and formed us in love. And so that, when you think about your core, your identity, who you are, who you were designed to be, so often we can put a bunch of other things in that little cup inside of us. Well, I'm an accumulation of my past decisions. I'm a product of a really unhealthy, abusive childhood. I am my addiction. I am my broken marriage. I am my kids straying away. I am family members' words over me. I am what my boss said about me. I am about my failed job. We, we can put all these other things in our identity as women, but the invitation has always been the same, that your identity is God's beloved because God is love. No, that's hard for us to receive. You might be hearing it and be like, okay, I hear that in my head. I don't get that in my heart. That's the prayer of Hosea. That that truth that we know in our head, I know God loves us. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. That that truth resonates down to the core of who we are. And we're gonna see it in the story of Gomer and how far she runs away from Hosea's love and God's love. We're gonna see it in Israel and how unfaithful they are and how unworthy they are of God's love. And then we're gonna, if we're honest, we're gonna see it in ourselves. I've done things against you, Lord. I've I've chased other things. I haven't been faithful to you. But your faithfulness, your love to me has made a difference. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do, I want you to speak truth over yourself in this season. And what do I mean by that? You and I as women can be very, very self-critical. We can be our worst enemies, speaking lies over ourselves, belittling ourselves, condemning ourselves, Why don't you look like her? You should do that. Why didn't I, that was not good. You you know your own little self-talk. I have my own self-talk too. But one of the things about our identity is that we speak truth over it. Not how we feel, not what we sense, not what other people are saying to us. So one of the things I want you to do in this season that I've been doing is when you're going through something hard or when you're alone or in your car or in your bathroom in the morning, I just want you to remind yourself verbally that you are beloved. Just speak that over yourself. I am beloved, I am beloved, I am beloved because the world does not say that to us enough. We don't hear that enough. We start to hear all the messages of culture and social media and what our friends think of us. And then we add our own women shaming to ourselves and we miss the truth that God calls us beloved. And so as women that are in this Bible study, it's gotta start with us. We need to start proclaiming the truth over us. Because here's the thing, as women, we're really good about encouraging and loving and blessing and being gracious to others, right? It's kind of our jam, right? We're gracious to our friends. We're gracious to our family, to our kids. We're not always gracious with ourselves. So it starts with us. It starts with us claiming our identity as the beloved. And then out of that, it does flow to the rest of the community. Some of the women at your table might not believe that they're loved in this season. They might be going through something harder, different, more difficult than you could ask, hope, or imagine. They need that reminder that they're loved, regardless of what they do, regardless of what their circumstance looks like. You and I have authority. We're ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of the gospel of love. You and I, I want to encourage you to speak those words over each other, that you're loved regardless of the mistake you made of yelling at your kids this morning, regardless of what you did this past weekend, regardless of the way you blew your finances this past year, regardless, it doesn't matter, you are loved. So as a community, I want us to encourage each other in that and I want you to speak that over yourself. I know some of you might think like, oh, it's so new agey, that feels weird. Try it. I want you to speak truth over yourself because there's power in the spoken word. God spoke the world into existence. And if you can't speak it out, ask God to do it in you. I am beloved. You are beloved. That's one of the core messages of Hosea that we're going to get through. We're going to work through it in the next eight weeks. So it might not feel like it just snaps in you, but that's something I want you to think about in your head. What does it look like to be loved? Not earn love, not feel love, not do love, just be love. That's your identity. That's your core. And we're going to work on that in this eight weeks. And then the last, the last theme that I really believe is, is one of the keys of Hosea is this concept that God wants your heart. God wants your heart. It's all he's ever been after. He's not after your behavior. He's not after anything but the deepest part of you and so there's this bible verse uh hosea 6 6 this is kind of what i would consider one of the theme verses of hosea it encapsulates it really well and this is what it says it says for i desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of god rather than burnt offerings god has always been after our hearts he wants our steadfast love. He wants our attention. He wants our time. He wants our vulnerability. He wants he wants the why that's in us. And sometimes, if some of you have been raised in the church, you know as well as I do, it is so easy to do the right Christian thing, to be religious, to cross the boxes. Church on Sunday, my kids go to kids' church. We do devotionals at home. I do women's Bible study. God's not looking for your sacrifice. He's not looking for burnt offerings. He's not looking for these tangible signs that you are faithful, although he values those and loves those. He wants the invisible part of you, the part that nobody else sees, the part that's just you and him at the end of the day in the secret place. It's just you and God. He wants your heart. He wants your affection. He wants your care. He wants your concern. He wants that deepest part of you. And the thing, the thing I love about Hosea is there are so many things that compete for our hearts. It is unbelievable. One day when I was at the beach and I was sobbing, the Lord just made, made me make a list. He said, "Just I want you to write down everything that you think your heart belongs to. And I was like, oh, there's just a few things, you know. And I just started listing and oh my word, there are things that this little sinful heart loves and chases before it chases God. We have sold parts of ourself to different lies, philosophy, beliefs, people, places, success, status. And when it comes to the end of the day, God's like, I want, I want all of that because I'm the only one that can fill that. I'm the only one that can actually satisfy the things you're craving. And everywhere else you're running to get your cravings met, it's just coming up empty. You're turning up disappointed you're frustrated, you're hurting people, you're hurting yourself, I want all of your heart because I'm the only one that can actually hold it and fill it with love and make you feel whole. And that's the invitation of this season is to give our full true hearts to God and ask him to redeem what has happened to us, what's been done to us, to ask him to make us whole. That's the invitation of Hosea, this call back to our first love, so as we go through the book, as, as, well, I love this. One leader told me this. I thought it was so honest and so brave. She goes, you know, she sent me an email. She's said, Koli, you would ask the leaders to read through the book of Hosea. And I'm going to be honest. I didn't like reading the judgment part. And so I skipped it. <laughs> and she goes, and she goes, you know what? When I got to the end of the book, I realized I don't like the judgment part because I don't like to be judged. I just want the good parts. I just want the Jesus loves you, the pat on the back at the end of the day. And she's like, you know, the Lord really convicted me. It's judgment. It's God calling out the thorns that are in our heart and removing them. That's what sets us free. Not this skirting around, not this lie of like, oh, I don't want anything hard, but just tell me you love me. God's like, no, no, no. The judgment, the judgment is not judgment and condemnation. It's judgment of, hey, let's assess that wound that's destroying you. Let's assess how deep that bitterness is actually gone and let's remove it together. God's judgment is his kindness that leads to repentance. It's the way that he wants us to live differently so we're not hurting ourselves and others. And so I I wanna encourage you and myself too, because I don't like reading the judgment portions. The judgment is what calls out the problem so that we can work through it with him and be set free. So don't, don't run from the judgment. It is not condemning. It is not shaming, it is simply spoken truth that identifies what the wound is so you can remove it and it can be healed with Jesus' love and power. That's the invitation in this season. And so I want to invite you and encourage you um, to let God have his way in you in the book of Hosea, to go to the hard places with him, uh, to invite your community in as you need that. Um, some of you will feel comfortable sharing more things than others. That's, that's fine. It's whatever you're comfortable with, but I would encourage you to let other women in your group pray for you, because heart surgery, it's not easy. It can be painful. I spent three or four days in pure tears, and then it took about the next month to kind of process what had happened. But at the end of that time, I felt new. God had removed things in me that were stuck there for a very, very long time. And I think he wants to do the same to you. I think he wants to make your heart new. And so before I release you to your groups, there's one thing I want to do. I want you to find a little blank, blank piece of paper. It can be the cover. It can be on your notes if you have room. Um, I want, we're going to draw two pictures. So you can do a box, line in the middle, picture one, picture two. Some of you might need a lot of space. Some of you might need a little space. This is not an art contest. Don't look at your neighbor's page in case she's self-conscious about her stick figures, as I would be. Um, But I want to invite you to draw two things. The first thing, the first box, I want you to draw a picture of what your heart looks like right now. What does your heart look like? What's in your heart? What are you struggling with? Are there wounds there? Are there things that are weighing heavily on it? Is this a season of anxiety? Is this a season of great joy? Is this a season where things, there's holes and gaping wounds? Are there questions? Draw or write the condition of your heart right now today. I'm gonna give you one minute to do that. No judgment, no one else is looking. This is between you and God, but what does your heart, if I were to take a picture of it today, without you doing any work on it or putting makeup on it, what does it look like? What are you entering into the book of Hosea with? draw or write out what your heart looks like. All right, and then when you're done with that, you can spend more time on that. I'll give you more time for the second one. On the second box, I want you to draw how you hope your heart looks at the end of eight weeks when we get done with this study, what do you hope that the Lord does? What do you want it to look like? Is there something that is in the first picture that you don't want in the second picture? Is there forgiveness on this side? Is there enlargement? Is there more joy? Is there more peace? Draw what you hope your heart looks like in eight weeks when we finish the book of Hosea. Right, 15 more seconds. Some of you, got mini, we got mini Picassos in here. You can return to this and add detail, color, ceramics afterwards. I like, I'm not really an artist, but I like the concept of drawing something because it makes something tangible that feels very intangible. And so when you look at this piece of paper, I want this to be your prayer for this session. God, would you do something only you can do? This is my heart today. This is where it's broken. This is where it's hurting. This is where it's not measuring up. This is where I'm angry. This is where I'm frustrated. This is where you name it. God, would you make my heart this? Would you do something that only you can do? I can't make this this, but you can turn this into that. That's our prayer for this session. So I want you to commit that. I want you to commit it to prayer of saying, God, do something only you can do. And if you're comfortable, uh, and it's okay if you're not, I want you to invite others into that as much as you feel comfortable. Because I don't think, we're not created to do this alone. We're not created to pray over ourselves, to be isolated in anything. I want you to invite women in your community saying, hey, I need a new heart. I need restoration in this area. I need redemption in this relationship. I need to forgive this person I've been carrying for 35 years. We need each other to do that. And so I want you to commit not only for praying for the transformation of your heart, but the women that are at your table. We get to do this together. We all come in with broken pieces, with bandages, with wounds, and we get to heal each other through the power of Jesus, by praying over each other, by speaking truth over each other, by blessing each other. Uh, I had a vision when I was praying the other day. Uh, my little sister is a redhead and she's very fair-skinned. And so whenever we went on family vacations, my dad, my mom, and I are a little bit darker-skinned. So we would go to the beach and we'd all get tan. And my sister would come home and she'd just be burned. And I, she'd be like, oh, I don't want to put on a dress for dinner. And she just didn't want to go anywhere because she was in pain. And all of us were like, mm, got a little bronzed, you know, like we're all happy. And so my mom used to have to put as on her and just kind of calm the parts of her skin and I saw this picture of God wanting to do that to our hearts some of you have been burned by people places seasons events and God wants to heal you with the balm of his love he wants to comfort you to create a cooling effect for where you've been hurt And so my prayer is that you would just, you would allow him to heal the parts of you that only he can heal and that you would entrust him to the places that are sensitive. So I'm gonna pray for us, then I'm gonna do a little matchmaking and if you have a group, you can go to your group but I want you to talk about all the things and pray for each other but let me pray for you first. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of our hearts that you know us so intimately, God. Even if we haven't identified things in ourself that we're struggling with, suffering over, uh, past traumas, wounds, pains, God, you know it all completely and you love us. And so, Father, I pray in this season, Lord, that you would bless each woman as she enters the power of your word in Hosea. And I pray, God, that whatever her heart looks like today, I pray that it would be different in eight weeks because of who you are the power of your love, and the gift of Jesus Christ to make all things new. So I bless these women today in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen.